Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Lee Smith. There's a great new piece in the upcoming Standard about uh, President Obama's uh, policy towards ISIS. And at today's press conference, Lee, he kind of laid it out. Uh, yes, there is no policy uh, toward <laughs> ISIS. This is an article. I'm, 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 I've got an article with my friend uh, and colleague, Hussein Abdul Hussein, who's, uh, who's really a fantastic reporter and wonderful writer. And we sort of... You know, we talk about where the where the problem comes from. Um, you know, how you have look. The way I like to talk about it is, it's not just ISIS. It's a larger Sunni rebellion. And the point that we make is to say that um, the point that we make is to say that it, it can't be uh, the issue cannot be addressed just in terms of dealing with ISIS. Again, I see it as a Sunni rebellion problem. There are other people. Um, there are other people besides ISIS who are fighting both the Syrian regime and who are fighting the Iraqi government. Well, Lee, let me uh, interrupt right there because sure. be- before we get into in depth the, the you know the macro right. uh, vision here, the overall vision, the reaction, your reaction, knowing how people in the Middle East think, the leaders, mm-hmm. political actors, folks on the ground who are thinking about taking a risk on what team to join, their reaction to having the President of the United States look in the camera and say, "We don't have a strategy for." Uh, the Islamic State I yet. think I I think this has been clear to them for quite a long time. I don't think there's anything surprising to anyone in the region, because the way that people in the region perceive it is that is that the U.S. Uh, and Iran ha- basically have a condominium, have established a condominium in the region, and it's the U.S. and the Iranians working together, and to heck with the Sunnis. That's how a lot of people see it. Um, so, but isn't it surprise? Okay, is it so? It's only going to be yeah. Americans who are surprised to see their president announce in one of the major crises before us. I my think, own intelligence I, people I think, say it's dangerous. I think, I, yeah, I think even most Americans are not going to be surprised by this, right? I mean, but you don't say let's, it, let's, Lee. Let's, you don't just say it. You you may have no clue. You know, so you don't sit in class yeah, when the teacher calls talking, on people and say, "I'm an idiot." About a president of the United States last year, who when he said he was going to strike Assad regime targets. Uh, backed off, said he was then going to go to Congress for an authorization for the use of military force. Then he backed off for that as well and made a bogus deal with the Russians um, to, to get rid of the chemical weapons. And look, the chemical weapons are a problem. You can get rid of chemical weapons, that's great. But the real problem is not, was not the chemical weapons. The real problem was the Assad regime and the Assad regime's allies. Any American uh, who was paying attention to that going on last year is not going to be surprised by anything that this president does in terms of foreign policy. We'll be surprised by nothing. That was astonishing what happened last year. And it's worthwhile remembering exactly what happened because in that context, there was nothing that he can possibly say or do or rather not do that is going to surprise anyone. Who, so uh, given where we are today, as you look at the actors, you mentioned a broader Sunni issue. Who are the actors right. on the ground that are key when it comes to Syria, yeah. Iraq, and ISIS? Well, it has been reported. I mean, this, the, you know, the New York Times just reported this yesterday, but this has been known and it's been in the Arab press for a while. I mean, a lot of the ISIS military council is made up of former Saddam Hussein people. Um, so that's significant, and one of the reasons that these guys have come back is because the you know because the pro-Iranian government in Baghdad, first Maliki and now Abadi, who was also signed off on by the Iranians, he might even be more of an Iranian stooge than Maliki. Um, these guys have been going after the Sunnis, the other significant, incredibly significant player in the Sunni rebellion against the government uh, in Iraq 
are the tribes. Look, let's put this in context. A lot of these tribes teamed up with U.S. forces. This is what the surge was, right? The surge said the United States, uh, United States forces will hold on to the cities while the, uh, while the Sawa, while the awakening guys went out in the countryside and desert and they took care of al-Qaeda in Iraq. That's what happened. Now what do we have? Now we have basically an alliance between al-Qaeda and Iraq, which is what ISIS morphed into, and the tribes. And they're going after the Iranian security structure in Iraq and also in Syria. So that's an astonishing thing that's happened. Not only have we lost the tribes, not only the tribes, uh, you know, significant tribal figures have turned, uh, have turned sides. Now they're, time, they're teamed up with ISIS. And again, it's not like all of these tribes are a bunch of extremists and they're like decapitating, they like decapitating people. The main issue is, again, the central government in Baghdad, which is going after the Sunnis. They're not going after just ISIS. They're going after the Sunnis. And so that's why I say to address the ISIS issue, the first thing that needs to be answered is, if we're going to talk about Sunni extremists, we need to talk about Shia extremists as well. And why the president, why the White House has effectively looked the other way when it's come to dealing with the Shia extremism problem. Not just with the central government in Baghdad, and not just with Syria, but also with Iran itself. The fact that the administration has looked the other way is an enormous issue. That's the, fun, that's the root cause of what's going on right now. Uh, what do you mean by that, by looking away? What are they looking away from? Look, I mean, what happened is that we've helped, we've helped Maliki uh, chase and hunt the Sunnis. We've done nothing for three and a half years while Assad has killed some 200,000 Sunnis in Syria. The way that the Sunnis perceive it is, is that not only is the United States not paying attention, not doing anything, but that, and look, you remember when the, United, when, when the administration stepped in a couple of weeks ago to help the Yazidis, who were, you know, on Sinjar and they were being chased by ISIS. Well, thank goodness. I don't want to see any minority group targeted in the Middle East. I don't want to see any of them chased and hunted by these lunatics. But we also have to look at Syria. Like what Syrian Sunnis, they mean nothing. Like a seven-year-old girl, you know, slaughtered in Syria by Assad forces or by Hezbollah or by the IRGC. She's an extremist. She's a jihadi. It's okay if she dies. And this is what's happened. The administration has been looking the other way for three and a half years. In Lebanon, we see the same thing. The Sunnis are chased. The Sunnis are hunted. Why? While we share intelligence, our intelligence community shares intelligence with Lebanon's military intelligence, which is effectively penetrated by Hezbollah at this point. We are, in effect, sharing, sharing intelligence with Hezbollah. It's outrageous. This is the way it's perceived in the region. And this is actually accurate. It's not just a nutty conspiracy theory coming from the Middle East. It's an accurate perception of what's going on. So how could the United States change that perception, and what could we do to get uh, people on our side? I don't know what we can do, because it's, a, it's extremely important, apparently, for this administration to come to a grand bargain with the Iranians. It's not just over the nuclear weapons program. Again, it's about all of these different places, especially in the Levant, in the Levant, rather, Lebanon, Syria, and Iraq. The administration has teamed up with the Iranians. This is how it's perceived in the region. And the administration apparently thinks this is a very important thing. The president has talked about this in a series of interviews now with David Remnick for that profile of the New Yorker, with Jeffrey Goldberg. Um, there's another one that escapes my mind right now. But he's talked about creating a geopolitical equilibrium 
in the region, balancing the Iranians off of our traditional Sunni allies. What this means in reality is, is that we've empowered the Iranians and their allies at the expense of America's traditional allies. I would like to see this turned around. I think it's an enormous problem. I think this is what's given rise to the ISIS issue. But this is not the way this president perceives the Middle East. I think there are lots of people on this national security cabinet who do perceive it my way. We saw what happened with, with uh, Syria. There were lots of people who believed that we should actually be funding moderate rebels, supporting moderate rebels. It's the president of the United States who said no. So I, I, I frankly don't, I feel like a lot of this stuff is theoretical. The, the president, our discussions about it are theoretical. The president sees it this way. It seems very important to him. He's articulated it fairly clearly. I just don't know how to turn it around. The ISIS issue is not going to be solved. I mean, I, I think that's been clear from the outset. And so the fact that he said this today, we have no policy, I, I'm not surprised in the least. So what do, you, what do you see as a future in the short term for ISIS? Are they going to continue to be able to expand wherever America doesn't confront them and just kind of you know, move around the targets that we deem the short important? Term, yes. yes, certain ISIS will expand. As my friend uh, and colleague Hussein and I explain in an article, which should be out um, tomorrow, this is... You know, this is what the tribal code looks like. You have a you have a band uh, a band of brigands, and they sort of go through the region, and they get other tribes to sign on. They defeat them, or they just show them that they are more powerful, and so everyone signs off. Everyone signs on to that project. This will continue for a while. I mean, the most important right, fight right now is against the Iranian uh, the Iranian power structure in Iraq. Certainly, that's the issue in Iraq, and it will be eventually the issue in Syria as well. Um, so they'll continue to expand for quite a while, and eventually I suspect that a lot of these different branches, because again, it's not just ISIS, you have the Sunni tribes, you have uh, other figures in there, like former Saddam Hussein regime elements, eventually they'll start to fight, they'll fall at each other's throats. But not right now. Right now they're going to get a lot bigger, and they're going to create a lot more havoc. The United States has no position on the ground to solve any of it. Well, we also don't have a strategy, as the president acknowledged in his comments, which I still am just stunned by any president saying that. The only strategy that could, the only strategy that could actually do something to deal with people actually killing each other on the ground, Iran, the Iranians have assets in place. They have the Quds Force, Qasem Soleimani. Qasem Soleimani has never gone back to Ayatollah Khamenei and said, "You know what? There's no military solution here. It's only a political solution." They might believe that over here in the White House. They certainly don't believe that in Tehran, with the United States absent or missing any sort of military assets on the ground, there's nothing we can do. There is nothing we can do. So again, the fact that the president said this is hardly a surprise. Lee Smith with the Weekly Standard. Thanks so much for joining us for the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.